Hi, welcome back to another episode of Pastor Vic's Nuggets of Truth. And today we're going to be looking at the third miracle of Jesus, and that was wherein the lame man was healed. But before getting into that, that miracle that Jesus performed in the Gospel of John, and that is the healing of the disabled man, who he was, he was infirm for 38 years. But before we do that, I want to give an overview of what I believe this episode in Jesus' life teaches us. And the scripture that I want to start off with is found in John 10.10. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but I hope to give you some deeper insight. Listen to what Jesus said. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. An important truth to remember is that God does not cause sickness and disease. That is the work of the devil and, and sin that's in a, in a fallen world. Remember what Jesus came to do. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's 1 John 3, 8. Jesus is the abundant life giver. Never forget that. But who's the thief in John 10, 10? Well, we know that the thief is Satan or the devil. And there are three things that the devil wants to do. He wants to kill, to steal, and destroy. Now let's take a look at each one of them one at a time. The thief wants to steal. Satan wants to steal everything that God has given you for your good. And the first thing that comes to my mind is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is found in Galatians chapter 5. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, these are yours because these are the traits of the Holy Spirit, the character of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, they may not be fully developed or, 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 or fully evident, but as you pursue your relationship with Jesus, you'll find that they will become more and more manifest in your life. The second thing the thief wants to steal from you is the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is as follows, beginning in verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another finally the interpretation of tongues. But then verse 11 says, But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, the Holy Spirit, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Again, these are gifts because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. In the same chapter, Paul admonishes us not to be ignorant of these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, without the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we become powerless Christians. Powerless to be a witness for Jesus. Powerless to be the healing hand of Jesus. And powerless to be a genuine leader for the cause of Christ. 
The third thing that the devil wants to do is, is the thief wants to kill. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you have an enemy. And it's called the devil or Satan. The devil's strategy is that if he can't have you, he will try to make you ineffective and if necessary, kill you. Now, it might sound frightening, but remember Revelations 12, 11. And it says, And they be overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, by the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives to the death. You see, the enemy can't touch us if we remember who we belong to. And we belong to Jesus. First is the blood of the, the, blood of the Lamb of God shed on the cross. That is our covering and our protection. James 4, 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will what? He will flee from you. In other words, first be obedient to the Lord, then resist the devil, because you have authority in the name of Jesus. The word of our testimony is our outward expression, not only by words, but by deeds, that Jesus is our King. The thief wants to create fear, that will cause us to doubt our God and ultimately not trust Jesus. Remember, we are the ambassadors of Christ. We represent Him. And the third part of that is that we don't love our lives even to the death. And that's, that's true because we believe the promise that Jesus made in John 14 too. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You see, as believers in Jesus Christ, our home is heaven. And one day, each one of us will depart this life to be with Jesus forever. The thief also wants to destroy. He wants to destroy your hope and your faith in Jesus. You see, the basis of our relationship with the Lord is faith. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the key to all spiritual authority and power. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith as being spiritual. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then a little further along in Hebrews 11.6, it tells us that faith is the only way we can please God. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the devil will do whatever he can to discourage and dismantle our faith in Jesus. Remember, it's not faith in faith, but it's faith in Jesus and him alone. The devil will try to get us to trust our experience, our education, to trust our intellect, or the pursuit of wealth, or the pursuit of friends, or relationships or any other thing that will cause us to take our eyes off of Jesus. Remember, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Now finally, let's get to the miracle at the Pool of Bethesda. As Jesus and his disciples traveled to Jerusalem, it's interesting that Jesus chose to go through the Sheep Gate to enter the city. Why would Jesus choose that gate? Probably it was because there was a pool called Bethesda near the gate. The pool had five landings or porches where a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waited for the waters to be stirred up. Uh, and that was a tradition that, that an angel would come down at certain times, stir up the water, 
And it was believed that whoever got into the water first would be healed of whatever disease he had. Now you have to ask yourself this question. Why did Jesus go to the pool of Bethesda? Well, let's read the actual biblical account. Jesus was able to cut through the traditions of men and reveal the truth of God. The tradition was that an angel of the Lord would stir up the waters of the pool and the first one in would be healed. Now there's no scriptural basis for this practice. It was probably an event that happened that became a practice and eventually became a tradition, a tradition of men. The Apostle Paul has this to say about traditions. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. That's Colossians 2.8. The truth that Jesus brought was, believe in me and I will make you well. And that truth still stands today. Remember, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. So let's read the account, John 5, 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Oh, how that man suffered. And then Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that state or that condition a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered and said, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And then Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. In my last post, I mentioned three general areas where we can be deceived. The first and most common area where we can be deceived is relying on our personal experience as a basis for our relationship with Jesus. Our emotions can be a very unreliable indicator of truth. When we pray and don't get what we want from God, our minds can then become a fertile ground for the devil to come and deceive us with lies about God. The second area of deception that we need to be careful of is leaning on our own understanding or our human logic. It's important to examine what you believe and why you believe it. You see, most modern education today creates skepticism for anything spiritual. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Depending on your own limited understanding compared to God's omniscience is a trap of the enemy. The third area is misinformation uh, as a result of incorrect teaching that the supernatural does not exist today. Many leaders are teaching that miracles don't happen today. And yet, the New Testament is filled with miracles, signs, and wonders. The church also has a long history of miracles, signs, and wonders. I want you to think about this. Even your salvation is a miracle. However, the thief would try to keep you in ignorance of the glorious life that the Lord has for you. What's interesting to me in in the story of uh, the man healed at the pool of Bethesda is the reaction of the religious leaders. And in, in beginning in verse 10, the Jews came and said to this man who was cured, 
It is the Sabbath. It's not lawful you to carry your bed. Now, isn't it incredible and sad that in the face of a miracle only God could perform, that the religious mind preferred to lean on their traditions? The religious leaders preferred legalism over mercy and grace. It's as if they were, there was a veil across their eyes preventing them from seeing the truth, that Jesus was the Christ, the hope of glory. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.12, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil across his face so that the children of Israel could look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away, the Old Covenant. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. Verse 15 says, But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. As Christians, our covenant is found in the New Testament, where the veil is taken away. The religious leaders didn't recognize Jesus because they were more interested in their privilege and their position than truth. They didn't make the connection between Jesus and the Old Testament prophecy in Jeremiah 31, 31. God says through the prophet Jeremiah, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. That was the old covenant. But my covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, said the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The new covenant was clearly, clearly prophesied in the old covenant, but yet the religious leaders refused to see. The veil of tradition and culture are strong, and when they're contrary to what Jesus purchased at the cross of Calvary, we have to reject them. We often hear people say, it's the way we do things around here. Yes, but does it line up with the Word of God? The practice must line up with the Word of God. See, the veil of culture is subtle, but it's a powerful influence, and, and we're unaware of its effect because we grew up in it. Prevailing attitudes about love, vengeance, gender, marriage, children, honesty, and integrity are built into the culture. And these attitudes may be contrary to scriptures, and yet they're widely accepted. However, as Christians, we are called to adhere to biblical truth. When that healed man was questioned by the religious leaders, he answered them and he said, He who made me well said to take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Clearly the purpose of Jesus healing the crippled man was to glorify the Father, make the statement that he was from God, and that he had the power and authority to administer mercy and grace to even the most insignificant of people. This miracle should encourage us 
who, who, who the devil has tried to steal and to kill and destroy, that our Lord and King is greater and has promised us the abundant life. In closing, let me say what Peter said in 2 Peter 1-2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and by virtue by which we have been given to us great and exceedingly great and precious promises that through those you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust hallelujah the abundant life the abundant life is more than just wealth. The abundant life is realizing that God is for you and not against you. That God's idea of abundance is far greater than anything you can imagine. And so right now, just pray for the abundant life to be just to be administered to every person who is listening or watching. Lord, that you would touch them with your truth that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But you have come to give life and life more abundantly. God bless you. We'll see you the next time.